0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Dynasty Owner. I am Andrew Laird and joining me shortly will be Scott Genstad as we break down our stacking techniques and what processes we use uh, to choose quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and defenses each week. As a reminder, we're replaying a number of DFS strategy podcasts that Scott and I did last summer as a lead up to the 2020 NFL season. And if there are any topics you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. I am at RotoWire Andrew. Scott is at Scott Genstad. Uh, and you can also find me in the Rotowire Discord, which is open for all subscribers. Just go to rodowire.com slash chat if you have not joined there yet. So with that, here is our discussion on stacking and positional analysis in daily fantasy football.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Rotowire football podcast, the DFS version. It is Friday, August 2nd. I'm Scott Jenstead joined again today by Andrew Laird. Uh, also, if you could please rate or review the podcast, that goes a long way towards uh, helping the podcast, too. If you're enjoying listening to us to start the year here, uh, we'd be uh, very appreciative if you uh, left some good stars, some good comments. That would be fantastic. Uh, Andrew it's uh we're finally in August we kind of sort of had a preseason game uh, last night apparently that's uh, that's what i heard uh how are you doing today
2: <laughs> i'm good yeah august now feels like we should be talking about football i realize that people yeah. have been talking about it since march but like august is for me at least like the official start of starting to think about football <laughs>
1: OK, before we uh, today, we're going to do uh, we're going to do some uh, talking about how we uh, research and, uh, and and deal with positions in DFS. We'll go through each position, uh, kind of talk about what we look for, what we don't look for, what we do with percentages, cash game, GP, that kind of stuff. Thought it would be a good topic there. So talk about positions uh, this week. Uh, I want to start at the top and talk a, a little bit about stacking with you. Uh, you know, stacking is you know, playing two or three guys from the same team, kind of trying to correlate those guys. If, uh, you know, Drew Brees throws a touchdown to Michael Thomas, you're suddenly getting done double the points because you get the you get the passing yards you get the passing TD you get the receiving yards the receiving TD so obviously you can get a you know it's hard enough to predict in football what's going to happen if you can get one event that helps you in two different spots obviously that's pretty significant uh, most gpp winning teams you see there are the rare occasions that this doesn't have most teams have some sort of stacking going on whether it be something like that or maybe you know two guys three guys in the same game That's a, a shootout back and forth usually you're doing some kind of correlation where you know you don't have to hit you, you have to hit on so much as it is it's, it's nice to kind of pair those up um before we get into gpp and cash games how you do that how do you feel about stacking in general are you someone that you know every gpp you have a quarterback receiver uh, how, how do you feel about it in general it's
2: it, the, they kind of go counter because with gbps it's just so hard to get a high enough score without right. like decent correlation in your lineup. And so, if you're building a GPP lineup that every player is isn't correlated, I mean, meaning they're all individuals, um, it you're just putting yourself kind of behind everybody else who's going to get those. You basically call them double points, even though they're not quite the same. But like, right. um, yeah. I, You'll probably go 17 weeks looking at all the GPP winning lineups and there's going to be some sort of stack there, whether it's quarterback, wide receiver, two wide receivers, uh, wide receiver, tight end, like there's or meaning quarterback and those guys. But like um, it's just such an easy like you're overthinking it. If you're like, maybe I won't correlate this week, like maybe that's how I'll differentiate. It's like, no, no, no you're that's a mistake. Uh, yeah. But strangely, like cash games are kind of the other way. You don't necessarily want to stack too much because if it doesn't work out, you're totally dead.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting point. How much do you still stack in cash games? I mean, now you're more of a cash game player. Do you, like, what are most of the time are you doing a quarterback wide receiver or most of the time are you not? Uh,
2: It, it really depends on the week, but, like, the, yeah. the way I tend to look at it is more on the cheaper guys. Like, I'll correlate, like, if I'm paying down a tight end, I might as well take the tight end for the quarterback that I have because at least that, you know, if I'm Makes not sense. expecting a ton, I might as well get the correlation there. But, I mean, I, I understand if, if you think it's a great week for some specific quarterback wide receiver combo, like it's not like you shouldn't stack in cash games, but it's more that that it's such a significantly more valuable strategy in GPPs. What
1: about uh, some sneakier stacks? Everybody talks about quarterback, wide receiver, quarterback, tight end. You know, obviously they, they correlate pretty easily. Um, The one I like to do sometimes is running back and team defense with the thought that if my running backs, uh, you know, has a lead carrying the ball uh, late in the game, it's good there. And also that's good for the defense. The other team's kind of coming from behind passing, you know, not as good a team. Um, I think that running back defense is one that, you know, people don't obviously jump to that it can be an interesting one.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it certainly makes sense from like a football standpoint. I mean, just like you explained, like if, another team is kind of trying to get, uh, or if the team is way out, then they're going to be running the ball a ton. And then the defense theoretically played well. Uh, but at least on DraftKings, like the the points that you get for uh, how many points your defense allows and the and the point deductions as they allow more uh, really doesn't, it's not that big of a difference where you're like, and, and their shutouts in football are just so rare that yeah. you don't necessarily need uh, to focus on points allowed for defenses we'll get to defenses later so um but yeah that being said uh teams that are like desperately trying to catch up and if you have a defense who has been you know high pressure defense theoretically then like turnovers can happen and like that's where we really get our defensive points so i mean the more the ball's in the air it seems like it's it's easier to to create some sort of turnover i mean plays take a little longer to develop so you have longer time for a sack that could turn into a fumble or there's or that increased pressure then leads to interception so like The correlation is definitely there but you actually have to realize like why it's there and it's not just because of the points allowed
1: yeah totally that's that's a good point too what about uh you know quarterback and a pass catching receiver like a a tom brady james white kind of thing are you uh, are you one who who kind of goes for
2: that i definitely get it i mean the the odd thing is is that usually with the you, you know you have like your bell cows um where depending on the guy whether he catches the passes or not but yeah like the, the James Whites we saw with Austin Eckler, although that might be a little bit of a different situation, uh, at least at the beginning of this season. But uh, it definitely makes sense. Uh, you tend not to, like, want to pay way up for guys who pretty much are just pass catchers. Um, but if you can get, like, the Tariq Cohen last year was, like, grossly underpriced for how many uh, balls he was catching so like that definitely makes sense like the the way that the NFL is now most guys or you're you're going to get receptions at every position that doesn't mean everybody's going to get all these catches but like there are guys at each position that will catch a lot of balls and so don't ignore running backs certainly on DraftKings which is full PPR like don't ignore guys who like running backs that are like just catch passes if they're going to get 10 targets because Th- that's actually more valuable than the ten carries that they might not get that th- that game.
1: Absolutely. Now, what about uh, you know, what about stacks that you don't aren't a fan of? Are there like, would you ever stack a quarterback with a you know volume dependent running back? Say like a a Zeke or a melvin gordon like i am one who does not usually will, will not stack a philip rivers melvin gordon thing in a gpp just because i just think that you know the, the charters have to score 58 points for that to work you know if, if you you're, if you're playing a gp you want rivers to throw four touchdowns you want gordon to score twice it's just really hard to get that without it being correlated Granted, gordon can catch a pass i'm just using, using that as an example but um, i tend to avoid um a volume dependent running back and a quarterback together uh, is that something you uh will do in a, in a, in a gp situation or you avoid that too
2: uh i think the reason i tend to avoid it and again with the way that like dfs prices change every week in situations like every week is different so i don't want to like you know if you ever hear somebody be like you should never do this like that that's not right there's no there are almost no nevers in in right. dfs good know. point yeah that's yeah, true so um the so you'll get those pass catchers but the thing is if you think like a, a quarterback is going to have this huge game like if you think if it's maybe they don't score 58 points, but if you think it's 40 points and you're like, but I think they're all coming through the air. Um, that's when you end up having to pay up for a, for a quarterback and a wide receiver from that team or take two wide receivers right. from that team. And now you've basically priced yourself out of Melvin Gordon or, you know, whoever it is. Like, you're not going to pay. If you think Dak Prescott has some huge game and you're like, I, I love this Dak-Amari-Cooper combo, um, you're not going to have a lot of money left for Ezekiel Elliott. And so it almost like... I don't want to say it saves you from yourself from making that from going down that <laughs> that path. Um, but like that's it, you almost again, you, you take yourself out of it because um, if you do that, I mean, now the Cowboys have to score 58 points and it has to be those guys like any sort of uh, defensive right. touchdown special teams. You know, it's, those are touchdowns that are not coming from your guys.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about running backs here in a bit, but I mean, if you're taking Ezekiel Elliott, you want them in a game where they're going to be running the ball a bunch second half, and that just yeah, kind of kills the fact of taking a quarterback as it is right there.
2: Yeah, and, and again, like he can catch passes, although Zeke's not catching usually not catching an 80-yard bomb, and so it's like you're you're not getting right. a, a ton of on. You're getting these like low, uh, low A dot uh, situations.
1: Yeah, and there's there's always spots where it does happen. I always see screenshots. People like, oh, I told you running back quarterback can work. Here's one example of a GBP in week six. It's like, I get it. There are spots where can you know, work like those games where the quarterback and the running back does go off. But we're talking about, you know, making the good percentage play week by week. And like you said, every week is different. But, um, you know, for the most parts, I think that that's, that's a spot you usually want to try and avoid as, aside maybe a, a special circumstance.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how you should look at it. Like, I I would like to avoid this situation if you find yourself in it. I mean, it again, it can work. The odds are against you versus the odds of other combinations working. But. Uh, You know, if, if it's going to happen one out of a hundred times, or, you know, let's call it even 20 out of a hundred times, like there aren't a hundred weeks of football. So you need to really increase your odds every week because like we look at um, like DVP and all this stuff and like a 17 game sample is like really still not that big. I mean, right. And that's at the end of the season. Like what you you can't really rely rely on that in week two. And so, um, you know, you just got to take the hype you know certainly in cash games cash games are all about like doing what you think is the most likely thing to happen and take the best odds of these of these situations occurring uh gpp obviously you kind of can go off the rails a little bit with that but um but ultimately you want to make the the lineup that will perform more often um, because we just don't have a hundred slates to play
1: don't let uh, don't let Roger Goodell hear your 100 week NFL season. Idea. He <laughs> might jump all over that. Oh. Um, 18, so as 20. we jump into as we jump into quarterbacks, uh, let's talk about kind of how we research, how we decide on positions um, with quarterback. I think I mentioned it last podcast. I'm one person that I don't really worry about percentages of quarterback Uh on a full-game slate, you're going to get so many options of quarterback. I'm usually taking the guy that I think is going to be the best. It's the best situation. It's the one spot in DFS. Where I, might, I might be on, on my own in this one, but I don't worry about percentage. I just play the guy that I want to play.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's certainly reasonable. We've talked about that kind of in previous uh, podcasts. Yeah. Just that, um, and, and it's not like they're like wide receiver where there are so many more, but like there really aren't um, – there usually is not like a single quarterback that's gonna be so highly owned that you either need to have him or fate are fading him because of an ownership percentage. And so um I actually find quarterback to be one of the last positions I fill. Like I very rarely start a lineup and think like, okay, which quarterback do I need to have this week? Um and sometimes, you know, somebody's grossly underpriced and it's like, all right, I'm I'm gonna take this guy but right. I, I, I really can't think of a situation where I'm going in like, okay, I absolutely have to pay up for Aaron Rodgers this week because the what's interesting about quarterbacks, at least though, and there are running quarterbacks kind of throw this idea out. Rodgers doesn't run quite enough to justify it, but like if Aaron Rodgers has a huge game, a huge passing game, then there are receivers who also have had big games. And like I do oh, yeah. to think, and you're like, well, you're locking up all of the passing volume with Rodgers, and it's like, well, it's actually less valuable from the quarterback. Like the receivers, there's no one, there's no point per completion. It's a reception, and so, you know, you get those points. Like I tend to think, who's going to benefit from Rodgers' big game? And then at the end, if I have salary left for Rodgers, okay. But like usually, quarterback is not the the place where I'm where my decision tree is starting. And then I'm like, all right, how do I pay down at all these other positions because I'm paying up for Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's a really good point. It's something that I I probably should do a little more. I tend to sometimes start with like my quarterback receiver stack and and go from there, whereas uh, it's a good point on the receivers are the ones that get the point. But reception, they get more points for yards, all that kind of stuff. So you're looking at the, the passing volume, really, you start the receiver and kind of go backwards. That's a pretty good way of looking at it. How do you deal with running quarterbacks? You mentioned that, like we're going to have, we have Kyla Murray this year. We got Lamar Jackson starting. And you know, last year he ran the ball a ton. Uh, they're they're going to pull back on that a little bit. You just can't, can't, uh, you can't put that much, uh, that damn, that much damage on running the ball that much, but a little more, but still will run a lot. How do you deal with running quarterbacks? You know, we look at quarterbacks. It's always like, hey, here's the passing yards, just passing touchdowns, you kind of work it out. But running quarterbacks seem to be a little bit more variable because, you know, they break that 25-yard touchdown run that it becomes a huge week really quick, but it's hard to bank on that. So um, how do you handle a running quarterback in DFS?
2: I will almost go out all the way and say I prioritize them. Um, like running quarterbacks okay. today are so different than running quarterbacks like five years ago even. Like we, if you... I mean you realize that like the the rushing yards from quarterbacks are just so valuable because uh, yeah. not all of them just, get them and they're it worth it builds
1: them. a huge it builds a great floor right
2: Exactly there. exactly and yeah. they're just I mean the they're more valuable than the passing yards and so like there's no reason anyone should like ever really think of rostering Josh Allen but he runs the ball a ton so now we're like he's not so bad like he's yeah. a terrible quarterback like let's <laughs> let's be honest here um so but that that okay. rushing you got bills m- yeah i mean that's that's all fine. over you now. Yeah, yeah that's fine i'm a jazz fan i have to do this is what i have to do it's a <laughs> there you contractual go. obligation um <laughs> but so you get this this great floor and like sure they might throw for 140 yards but if they're rushing for 140 yards like that's great and like and that's obviously an extreme but like we are seeing like significant rushing yards from guys like Allen or uh lamar jackson like you said like cam newton Is like known was known as like the rushing quarterback. He had all these rushing touchdowns, and like we barely even talk about him in terms of like the best rushing uh, quarterbacks now. And I mean, the big thing is is that we were look we used to look at running quarterbacks like guys where plays broke down and they were able to do something with their legs. And now plays are designed to get these guys into space. And like we said, like Lamar Jackson may pull that back a little bit just for his own safety, but like. Right. If that's what's happening, like that is gold. And so, um, you know, there, don't don't just think about passing yards. Like it's as simple as that. Like there are enough guys who run the ball now, where you have to think like if he's not going to have a good passing game, can I can you still get sixty rushing yards out of him? Which uh, used to be crazy for a quarterback, yep. but like now we're getting it.
1: Yeah, and sixty rushing yards right there is what one hundred fifty passing yards, same right. amount of points. Right. Right. I mean that's that's a that's a huge that's a huge start with the floor
2: yeah it it's you 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 have to consider it because and that because there are enough guys that do it now and I'm actually curious to see if we if these guys start getting priced up just because of the rushing yards because they end up being more valuable than the passing yards
1: yeah and uh, if you It'd be interesting to see with Kingsbury in Arizona, what they do with Kyler Murray. Obviously he's a guy that can do that if they need him to. I don't know. He's also a small guy too. So they got, they got to really worry about how many hits he takes, but that's going to be a fascinating offense to watch the first few weeks and kind of see what we get.
2: For sure. Yeah. That I think he's going to be the one that everybody really looks at and that more for his size than anything else, because um, you know, one big hit and because,
1: because he's, because he's my height. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And by the way, for people who don't know me, that's not a good thing as a quarterback. Um. <laughs> Uh, what about like game script wise? Uh, as you're looking at quarterback. Uh, you know, I'm obviously it goes without saying you're looking for a high over under. I, I like a really low point spread. I'm looking for that shootout. I'm looking for that 38 35 game that we've talked talked about uh, in the first couple podcasts. Um, you know, you want your quarterback having to throw the ball in the second half. The worst thing you have for your quarterback, and sometimes you can't control it, is you know you get a you get a defensive touchdown and the running back breaks one. Suddenly it's you know 21 to three at halftime. You're like, oh, my quarterback's dead.
2: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> but you can't really do anything about that. Like you, you can't. You read the game then right. You can do it the, yeah. the touchdown just came from somewhere else. Uh, that's one of those uh, process over results bailouts. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's certainly what you look for. I think we we look at things like we want the guy to be throwing in the second half, or, and <clears throat> as we're getting ready to watch preseason games or at least hear about preseason games, like
1: yeah, please he hear about.
2: <laughs> um yes. like starting quarterbacks tend not to come out of games. Like it, it has to be such a colossal blowout for teams right. to, to actually pull quarterbacks, but that doesn't mean that they're still throwing and teams that are behind, w- but the teams that are behind will throw. Um, we kind of touched on this previously. Like if the game, if a game has a huge spread and uh, you're like, well, I'll take the underdog cause he'll be throwing all the time. And it's like, well, volume is nice in some positions quarterback, not always just because they, they could throw interceptions. If it's, if it's that bad, they're throwing interceptions as much as touchdowns. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, Like you said, you want to target these high total games with the uh, with tight spreads, because theoretically the quarterbacks will be playing and trying to score as much as you can. Although, uh, again, like we saw with the Saints last year, everyone's like, oh, Drew Brees, the Saints score a ton of touchdowns. And it's like, well, they actually run a ton. And so you don't necessarily want to kind of gloss over um, the team when you're looking at the game script.
1: So if you have a, if you have a quarterback in, a, say, a fourteen point spread, but a high over under, are you are you one of those people like, well, you know, Brady might throw four touchdowns in the first half and gets all your points there, or are you one that uh, pulls back off that because you're worried about the second half? Uh,
2: I, well, the Patriots are absolutely sorry. Absolutely, sorry for that example. No, they're absolute murderers. So I actually <laughs> wouldn't con- like hesitate on that at all. I've seen uh, enough games where. The Jets lose, end up losing forty-two to three or something like that because the, the Patriots don't let up. So it, it depends on the situation there. But right, of course, that was um, an example. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that one hurt a little bit. Uh, we'll, Sorry, we'll get to that hurt in a little in a while. But, we will. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want it, to. It's one of those things that like you're not going to ignore it. If a game has a high total and a huge spread, that means one team is going to score a lot. And if you think the quarterback is going to be responsible for it, there's no reason to be like, well. I don't know about the second half, and it's like if you get four touchdowns in the first half, the second half doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It's just it, it's hard to know that they're they're going to throw for those passes. But I, I tend to I tend to pull back off those a little bit. Uh, in, you know, some situations like you mentioned, the Patriots are a team that you know notoriously uh, will not uh, will not ease off the gas pedal. So that that's a good thing for DFS too. So uh, it really depends on the situation. I tend to I tend to look for a, a little bit of a, a closer spread. Sure. Um I tend to uh, I tend to look usually. Uh, not maybe the top two or three price quarterbacks. I tend to kind of get in that second tier, but obviously it's week by week too.
2: Before we continue a quick message from our sponsor dynasty owner. If you've been looking for a new challenge, it's time to start playing dynasty owner fantasy football this season. Dynasty owner fantasy football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise dynasty owner provides a unique challenge for diehard fantasy football fanatics go to dynastyowner.com rotawire because leagues are forming now that's dynastyowner.com rotawire we've all been in a league where the winner just got lucky and if you're like me and know you're better than most dynasty owner gives you the platform to prove it dynasty owner favors skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap it adds an entirely new level of strategy go to dynastyowner.com rotawire Validate your fantasy football skills at DynastyOwner.com slash Rotowire.
1: Top-end elite guys, the mid-range guys, and the cheap guys. Let's start with the top-end guys. Uh, when you're looking at your uh, your Zeke's, your Le'Veon Bells, your David Johnson, uh, how do you decide each week You know which one of those guys you're going to use that week?
2: It usually starts with matchup. Like It's very rare yep. where one of these top guys— you know there's like this overwhelming case of why you shouldn't play them like they're at the top price for a reason because they get a ton of volume they catch passes they score touchdowns like the that's what that's why they're at the top um and so you generally go then to matchup and matchup you know leads you to to game script and ultimately like that's that's the decider uh and usually if there's one very clear guy um because of his matchup then you know he's going to be highly owned. Like it, it's very that is very simple. Like if yep. if you have somebody with a great matchup and he's high priced, but you know he's going to get the ball a ton, like that guy's going to be owned. And so you make your corresponding decisions from that, whether you want to fade him in GPPs because you know everyone will have him, or you target him in cash games because he's the most optimal play. Uh, it's easier actually in GPPs because again there are other high-priced running backs who can do very good things, and maybe their matchup isn't quite as good, but it could be that that means they're going to get the ball more because it's a it's a tougher, you know, closer game, they're going to get more touches as opposed to the guy with the fantastic matchup who's up 35 nothing at the half. With a
1: uh, with top-end running back with the... A good matchup in a cash game. What kind of percentage do you do you see? Like uh, you you play more cash games than I do. What's uh you know say say Barkley has a really good matchup. You know what uh, what type of percentages do you do you guys reach in that level?
2: Yeah, you know obviously the size of the double ups. Um, of course, yeah, affects it. But I mean you can see guys in the forty to fifty range. Like it okay. it can be that drastic, and it, it it becomes very drastic on the low end. Um, in terms of if guys you know if there's a injury and now all of a sudden, right. Paul Perkins becomes somebody we want to play.
1: You really like to You really like Paul Perkins. You brought up Barkley. I'm just <laughs> just going down the depth chart. Uh, that's a that's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, in uh, in GPPs I usually I usually see like twenty to twenty five percent maybe for those top end guys with a good matchup. So, you know, reaching enough for percentage where it's interesting to play some game theory there. Like you said, you know, if Barkley has a great matchup, maybe Zeke doesn't have quite a good matchup, but you're like, you know, Zeke's still Zeke, is gonna touch the ball a lot, you know, maybe that's a, a good spot to uh to move away from Barkley and go with someone that's you know, as big of a stud that you can can blow up at any time.
2: Yeah, you just you don't want to get into the mindset of like the this guy has the best matchup and thinking that means nobody else has a good matchup. Like Exactly. It's possible that there are that all, you know, the top five all have great matchups and like, and then then it becomes a little more fun because not there isn't somebody who's going to be, you know, as as highly owned uh, so you can benefit from that. But like, again, like don't don't take like your one decision and make that make everybody else look terrible just because your guy looks really good or at least the guy that you're considering, because it's possible that you're very high on a game, but. The other game could be just as good, and don't don't like cloud yourself just because you're like this guy is definitely the best matchup, and so I'm going to play him.
1: Yeah, and obviously we don't know percentages ahead of time and stuff, but you know, as as we've mentioned before, you know, read read as much as you can, listen to many podcasts as you can that you you find valuable. As you listen to stuff and read stuff of the week, you you could pretty much get a feel for who, who 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 a lot of people are on each week.
2: Yeah the the term lock is like the one of the worst oh, DFS terms I've I ever heard, it. but it's everywhere. And As so, a sports
1: betting person, I, I hate that word. Yeah, Oh gosh, that's,
2: yeah. That's, so it's the worst. There's just uh, you know, there's there are people out there who's like this guy's a lock this week and usually they're not like going really out on a limb to on that call, but like no that if you see enough of the you know, Zeke's a, a lock this week and there are enough people who see that and they're like, Oh, all right, I'll just let me lock in Zeke and I'll go from there and then you know what to do from there.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to figure out week by week who 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 the public is going to really be on percentage-wise. Uh, what about game flow-wise? Your top-end guys, do you want guys that are, are favored, or you know, game flow and game scripts not as, not a, as much of a worry here in the top end where guys are going to touch the ball no
2: matter what? Uh, yeah, yeah. At the top end, it's all usage. Like you know that they're going to get the touches, and so if if the game flow does seem like they're not going to touch the ball, you need to figure out are they not touching the ball because he already has three touchdowns, or are they not touching the ball because. They're actually significant mm-hmm. under, you know, they're terrible, whatever it is. Um, it Um You never want to, like, ignore the game script, but, like, all of these guys on the top end are going to have the the usage. It's just a matter of whether you think the usage is going to continue. Um, You know, it's not like they're losing touches to somebody else if, if they're down. Like, if they're trying to come back, some guys stay on the field forever. So, like, it doesn't, you know, you don't want to yeah. go too crazy with uh with fading guys just cuz you're like I don't know if he's going to play in, in the second half or you know yeah. again it's not not playing in the second half it's a, they're they're right. still going to play
1: and there were there were a couple times last year where Saquon they were you know the Giants were down and they just dumped it down to him over and over he had yeah. double digit catches you're like this is great that they're down cuz they, you know Manning just is literally dumping him every single play is right, as
2: far as he can throw now and so it's like all right that's <laughs> perfect
1: <laughs> yeah that's uh you're not know, going to get any any Eli it, Manning uh, disagreement for me on that <laughs> Uh, what about the mid range? I, I really like the mid range. Uh, this is a spot where I, I feel like you know some research and studying and all that kind of stuff can really get, get you in a good spot. You know, these are guys maybe you know running back uh, eight to twenty on the on the list, or maybe eight to fifteen, something like that. Twenty is a little low, but eight to fifteen, you know, I love guys in here that uh, you know usually they're okay, but they have a really good matchup this week. So yeah, maybe a guy like Lashawn McCoy, Lamar Miller, you know, in a perfect matchup. These are guys that you know are gonna touch the ball and you know. Those two instances are probably a, those are a little dated. there's probably a couple years ago. But guys in the middle range who have a really good matchup, I tend to find are really good spots to find plays.
2: Yeah, and they usually, if you do your research correctly, they usually stick out. Like you're they like, do. wait a minute. So, and, and and those situations are always nice because you're like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, everybody's everybody always talks about the top end. Um, or if there are a few cheap guys, you're gonna want to play them. So I agree that that middle ground certainly in GPPs is great. McCoy has definitely won some GPPs from people. Um, he's also murdered plenty <laughs> of liners. But
1: R- rumor has it, Lashelle McCoy is a very uh, good name in our house.
2: Oh, okay. There, see, there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, you know, because they all seem to be clumped together, and you're they're like, why is this guy any better than this guy? Um, that's where you do like that's where you find your kind of lower owned guys. Like nobody. Uh, I mean, were you like super excited to roster LaShawn McCoy that week?
1: Well, they were playing the four. They were playing the four defense, so that week I actually was.
2: Oh, okay, all right, fair enough. Um,
1: but it's funny that the, the week I had, I had my big week is actually LaShawn McCoy and Lamar Miller. So apparently, those names just lodged in my head. Yeah, forever.
2: as they should be, as they should be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think w- ultimately, what you want in those situations is do any of the guys in this range have the possibility? Like, if the game script goes perfectly for them, are they? uh going to be as used as the top end guys like can i get the same yep. production and uh, you know again the the reason the top end guys are the top is cuz they're more consistently there and so you're you're paying up for knowing you're going to get you know 20 carries and 8 to 10 catches like those guys are there and the mid range is these guys can get there they're probably not but in the right situation could they move up to these top end r- running back uh levels And every week there's at least one, if not two that do it. And so, um, you just, you know, look at the matchups, you know, if the, if you know, the usage is there, then that's, that's easy. Um, and so it's not going to happen every week where the guy that you take in this mid range matches the ones in the top, but there, there will be a guy at least one every week that does it.
1: Yeah. And the nice thing is, you don't you know, you don't quite need the numbers of the top end guys, but that mid range guy, and maybe that lets you get a top end receiver that you weren't able to get. I mean. Yeah, for sure. And it's all about. There is a salary cap in this game. It's all about fitting guys in. So while while we all want to play Zeke and Barkley every week, you just can't do it and be productive everywhere else. So there's you got to find money somewhere, and this is always a spot where I like to use, I like to find at least one guy every week where I think uh, you know, performs up near the top end for a mid range price, and those can be gold when they work out right.
2: Absolutely, yeah. That's it's the the hardest running back work is right there, in terms yeah. of like. Uh, so what about the ready?
1: cheap guy? Yeah, I would say, what about the cheap guys? You know, this is usually all about opportunity. Uh, You mentioned someone like Paul Perkins. If Barkley's hurt, you know, all of a sudden he slots into that main role. We had a guy last year, we talked about a lot, James Conner. The first Mm -hmm. couple of weeks was, uh, you know, filling in for Le'Veon Bell, who was holding out. uh, And he. He was, you know, priced down. He was just a monster for everybody. He got to be a huge percentage eventually pretty quick and he moved, price moved up. But it's usually about opportunity. It's usually about an injury. It's usually about suspension, a holdout, something like that, where a a guy who usually is not expected to get the volume and is priced down suddenly, you know, falls in a spot where he does get the volume. Uh, I think this is what we talked about before. This is where high percentage really comes into play. If you have have a guy like that in a gpp you know these are guys that can approach 35 40% of GPP because everybody in the world's talking about him everybody knows that you know player you know running back 1 is, is hurt everybody knows that in, in this football world and obviously everybody's looking for that second guy so how do you deal with the cheap running backs i assume in a cash game you're just like whatever i'm playing these guys because you know volume at this price is 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 pretty much a, a really good thing but then GBP wise do you tend to do you tend to fade them do you tend to be like yeah you know they're they're too good of a value uh how do you deal with the kind of the cheap running backs in dfs
2: so yeah like you said cash games they're in like it's, yeah. it you really don't even need to overthink it um it's a lock right <laughs> <laughs> almost got me into that one um it so i tried yeah there the the art the pros and cons of playing them are just so one-sided certainly in a cash game. Like the cons, like I'm not sure what they are because if everybody has the same guy, even if he's terrible, everybody else has him, and you have better guys elsewhere because this guy's so cheap. And that doesn't mean to like, just pay down, like just throw away one spot so you can pay up elsewhere. But like, that's why people do it. It's not only I'm going to get the production using DraftKings prices here. Like I'm going to get the production of a $9,000 running back for 4500 just because of usage but it's what you do with that extra money that now you're like wait a minute now i can get another i can get that stud running back and this cheap guy and a stud wide receiver and my quarterback's pretty good too like that's what you do with it for gpps like i understand fading that spot for leverage in case he's terrible but the problem is is that all of those people um unless you're you somehow found another cheap running back but if you didn't all of the people that you're playing have better wide receivers or better tight ends than you because they were able to take that extra salary and spend up at the other spots. And so what you want to do is the, the right fantasy analysis is everybody's going to pay down for this guy because he's, he's now the starter and he still prices a backup. And you're going to take that money and you know, take Antonio Brown this week. And what you want to do for GPPs is take the cheap guy and don't take Antonio Brown.
1: Right. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good point. I, I think that it's key that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you got to play this guy. But a lot of people are like, oh, you got to fade him. He's too high percentage. But it's more about building a building away. I mean, you could take a high percentage guy to GBP. You just have to make sure you differentiate yourself a little bit elsewhere.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's I think people don't take that second step of of the fading part of like, if you're going to fade somebody, what are you going to do with it? And then. Or if you're not going to fade somebody, at least fade the guy that everybody's going to because of the extra salary. Like that's where you can differentiate. You don't necessarily have to differentiate on the one specific guy that everybody has.
1: Right. I play a lot of DFS golf, and that's kind of the same way. You got a guy that if you think guys can win the tournament, but he's 30 percent owned, just make yourself make yourself a little bit different elsewhere. It's your it's your total percentage across the team. It's not just that one spot you have to
2: focus on seem like a very normal human being to play DFS uh, or PGA DFS
1: what's wrong with PGA DFS
2: I just I feel like I've never heard anybody <laughs> I mean and th- this is back to like I spend too much time on um, DFS Twitter but like I don't maybe it's you because it just seems like nobody wins money playing PGA DFS there's like a lot of money out there but everything it's, I see is like oh is my I did I did this and I did, this is why I hate P- and I've never <laughs> seen a positive thing about PGA DFS on the internet
1: it's uh, a positive thing I would say is it's really really fun. Go- if you like golfing, golf's kind of built for DFS. It's yeah. over one weekend. Uh, you have Friday. You have the, you have a big cut on Friday, so you've got like this huge cut sweat on Friday. That you got to get your guys through, and then if you do, then you got the weekend. It's a uh, it's a very fun game, but it's very very difficult.
2: Yeah. Well, it's it's I know the difficulty. I, I think the I've played sporadically just because um, there are enough it's people who play, and I'm like, yeah, it's there, yeah. and the. <laughs> The fact that it's in it, that, like, uh, my losing lineups are sitting on my screen for four days. That's why. That's when I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I like, I know that I lost. Like, I lost on Friday, and yet I'm there Saturday afternoon, and it's like, just get off my screen because I know. I wish you could just give up. You're just like I like accept the loss, and DraftKings just takes it off my my screen.
1: <laughs> I uh, I had a pretty good uh, I had a pretty good GP win last year. I was third in the. Out of, I don't know, probably 15,000. So I had a pretty good win. So I'm, I'm playing a little bit of house money. Not a huge win, but a good enough win that uh, I don't feel as bad losing uh, right now just because okay. it's uh, – I'm playing with their money a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: OK. I'll take that.
1: But, take that. Uh, but it's, uh, it's tough. You got you to gotta get six guys with the cut. You got to make it. But anyway, I'll get – I'll move on. I can talk about golf for an hour or two. Nobody <laughs> want that. The um, last thing on, on cheap running backs, how do you deal with, like, the, the, the pass-catching specialists in DraftKings? You know, I always use, I always use Theo Riddick as an example. Not a good one right now because he got cut, but then he got signed by the Broncos. Uh, how do you deal with that? You know, sometimes you get a, a pass-catching guy – like. Dion Lewis or someone like that, you get really cheap in in drafting. You know, it's not consistent every week, but you know, if you can get eight, eight, eight catches, all of a sudden, you know, these guys become valuable really fast.
2: Yeah, I think that's what you need to do if you need to pay down a running back. Like, forget about how many carries a guy's going to get; it's all about catches because that you know, getting your points there. Eight, I mean, eight catches for zero yards is worth eighty rushing yards. And like, crazy, but yes, and you're not going to get. 80 rushing yards most likely unless a guy is a starter like and or the guy just breaks one off but the the odds of you getting this look like a backup running back uh without an injury to the starter to get 80 rushing yards in a game it's just highly unlikely and so at least i mean eight catches is a lot also but there are guys who just play on passing downs and they do catch you know let's even call it four or five catches um That's so much more valuable than you're going to get of a guy who is in the same situation on the depth chart, but doesn't catch passes. Like where is the upside there? Whereas you can, if you can see some pass catching upside, certainly on DraftKings. although even in half, half PPR, like it, those are points that like guys who do not catch passes will not get. And if you're relying on those non pass catchers to get carries, now you're going to have to get them enough carries where they're rushing for 40, 50 yards. And it's it's just so unlikely.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned the eight catches for zero yards, but obviously that, you know, that doesn't happen. You usually get four or five catches exactly. for 45 yards and exactly. all of a sudden you're at, you're at 80 you you're at eight and a half points and you throw a touchdown in there maybe. And suddenly you got a guy that really is a, is a pretty good play. And it's just, it, 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 it's not an obvious one. It's not one that sticks out, but uh, you know, game script comes into, comes into effect here. If you've got that running back that catches all the dump offs and you think it tends to be down in the second half, you know, suddenly it becomes a guy that is really interesting.
2: Yeah. They, I mean, the the way you just have to look at it is if you're looking at a number of cheap running backs, And thinking like, who do I want to take out of this group? Um, You have to think for every, if you look at one guy and said, he's definitely catching 30 yards, 30, or excuse me, he's definitely catching three passes. You have to look at the guy who doesn't catch passes and say, is he going to rush for 30 yards? And if the answer is not even close, then you've made your decision. Once again, just a quick break for a message from one of our sponsors, FanDraft. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft, with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via a projector or onto a large TV screen for the league to enjoy. It can be used fully online, and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform both traditional and auction-style drafts, FanDraft also supports IDPs, rookie-only drafts, keepers, and just about any customization to meet your league requirements. You can sign up for a free trial at FanDraft.com, and when you're ready to order the pro account, make sure you use the promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's FanDraft.com, and use the promo code ROTOPOD15, R-O-T-O-P-O-D-1-5, to save 15%. So
1: wide receivers, uh, I kind of break it down like I do running backs. Uh, you know the pricey guys, the elite guys. We're talking, you know, Antonio Brown, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Tyreek Hill now he's not suspended. Then you got the mid-range wide receivers and the cheap guys. Let's start at the top though. Uh, obviously the top running uh, top wide receivers are all really good, but a little more variable than a top end running back. You know, a top end running back you can pretty much count on a certain number of touches per game barring any you know injury or something extreme in the game pricey wide receivers you can count on the targets but that doesn't mean that you know they're necessarily gonna have big games you know deandre hopkins and devonta adams are really consistent guys but antonio brown has you know yard, games where he catches you know six balls for you know 42 yards no touchdowns it does happen you know he even has you know three catch games so they're a little more variable the top end guys how do you deal with these stud wide receivers week to week
2: I tend to, uh, I mean, you go right back to matchup. Uh, I, I feel like that's the answer for everything. But um, the the difficulty with the the difference between the top-end wide receivers and the top-end running backs is the running backs, it's much easier for a quarterback to hand the ball off to a running back, and that's like a touch that he can get points right. on. Whereas, like, it sounds so stupid, but like the wide receiver needs the quarterback to get him the ball. And so... Um, stupid but true. I mean, it works. <laughs> right. And so yeah. you just need to look at the situations of like what... where where are we most likely to have X quarterback get my guy, the ball as often as possible. And so um, if you have like a a high priced running back who has like not a great game, it's still possibly touches the ball 15, 20 times. And, and again, if, if he does nothing with them, like that, that happens. But like if a wide receiver has a really bad game, he has like three catches for 30 yards. Just like you said, like that's horrible when you're paying all the way up for this. So, the you there's definitely more stability at the top end running back usually than the top end wide receivers. That doesn't mean not to pay up for wide receivers, but there are also significantly more wide receivers to choose from. I mean, there we have more spots to fill. um, There are more of them on the field. And so the possibility that um, a guy from a lower price range can match the top guy is more likely than the running backs just because there are more of them. And so um, with, with the top end wide receivers, I think you look at matchup, um, because you, you probably, you basically know that the target volume will be there, but the, like you said, like it's not, you don't get points for a target, you get points for receptions. And so you have to figure out if these five guys are all going to get 12 targets today, who's most likely to catch all 12 balls.
1: The, I, it's funny. I mentioned Devonte Adams. The Devontae Adams, this Adams cra- season last year was absolutely crazy. He did not have a game last year where yeah. he didn't score or have at least 80 yards. Yeah. It's, it was the most consistent receivers. DeAndre Hopkins had it two years ago. was pretty really close to that, too. But like his worst game without a touchdown was 81 yards. His worst game with a touchdown was six for 40. We're talking 16 fantasy points in PPR every single week the whole season. I don't think I've ever seen that before.
2: Yeah, it was crazy. And Chris Lis is just crapping on the guy still all summer. ate some. yeah. Um, but so yeah. what about – Sorry, what ahead. about
1: the the opposing cornerback? You know, obviously, it's a big thing. You've got guys you get, you know, the old Deion Sanders, like on an island covering the best quarterback or, or best wide receiver guy. Um, I tend to worry about these, you know, on the extremes uh, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Patrick Peterson, like the really, really stud. Hey, end guys, I will pay a little bit of attention to for the most part. Uh, I don't pay a lot of attention to because you know riders receivers takes one big play obviously you know guys are running in motion you know things get switched and matched out And every once in a while you get guys that follow receivers somebody's like richard sherman plays one side of the field not a receiver that sort of thing uh, how do you play the opposing cornerback i know a lot of people that are really into this and i'm not quite as much into it as most people
2: i understand why people are really into it but it seems like they go into it thinking that the offensive coordinator will do absolutely nothing to figure out how to get exactly his wide out on some you know guarded by somebody else so like I think there are extreme, like you said, there are extremes. And so in those situations, it's like, it's not a deal breaker by any means, but if there's somebody else, like if there are two guys that I think are fairly, could be similar. And one of them's up against Xavier Rhodes like, I guess I'll take the other guy, but like, it's not something like Xavier Rhodes is, you know, I'm going, I'm avoiding him all season because there's nobody ever does well against him. Like there are enough ways where wide receiver, like elite wide receivers get the ball. Um, enough that you can make it happen. I mean, I feel like we saw this with DeAndre Hopkins a few times last year where everyone was like, oh, it's such a tough matchup, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, it's like he has another DeAndre Hopkins game. Like, the guy's ridiculous. Yes. And so- So good. Um, like, it, it's part of the process for sure. I mean, that's part of your matchup research of like, he's not gonna have the perfect matchup, um, but can he overcome that? And for, for these stud guys, the answer is usually like, probably, because it, it there's just enough. You know, even these elite guys, there's so little- contact that they can do now and um, obviously like a pass interference down the field gets you no points but unless you're in those air yard leagues that haven't, ex- haven't opened yet but uh, I don't know it's I think I, I know why people are so adamant about it but I feel like there's just not enough research to be like you cannot play guys against them because no one has ever succeeded I'm also very upset you didn't use Darrell Revis as an example
1: oh I would have been considering he had an actually Revis Island nickname that would yeah be, exactly that would have been better but you know, Dion's my dude. He was on the Niners for a year. They won a yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, so, you know, it happens. I, get it. I get it. And obviously with these pricey guys, you're going to want uh, – you don't know want targets. You know, as you look at game modes or game logs, uh, you know, you want guys with double-digit targets every week. And there are those guys. You look at DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, getting double-digit targets in a majority of games. You know, obviously their offense is built around getting him the ball. Um, you know, that's why they're – that's why the top-end guys. That's why they're expensive. Um, but make sure that, uh, you know, you, you want your target guys. I mentioned uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, usually to price the top end, but he's a little more variable, you know, relies on that big play. And, you know, he has those games where he blows up, but he also has the games where he's, he's not quite as uh, you know, not quite as involved. They, they shut him down and you know, the chiefs will go somewhere else. Whereas the Texans and the Packers are going to Hopkins, going to Adams. Do you consider someone like Tyreek uh, for you more of a GPP guy and someone you avoid in cash or is it kind of a week by week thing?
2: It's weird because I feel like because of his speed and we see all these like highlight plays where he's just like totally burning people. We're like, I feel like in my own mind, I'm like, he's more like the Deshaun Jackson type, but like he's not like, he still gets a, a, a good number of targets. Um, he scores a number of touchdowns, but um, I don't know. I don't, I, I very rarely look at that group, like the, the Hill Hopkins Adams and be like, Hill, Hill definitely should be in this range, but like, I don't know. I, they, they clearly do, uh, do enough to like get him the ball like they'll run him on a sweep and stuff like that but i don't know i i i have him in like a slightly you know the top of the next tier okay. um just because i think um the, the i think he had one 10 catch game last year and like you know it, it's a very arbitrary number Ten, i mean and that and that was the uh, that was
1: the chiefs rams ridiculous game that i think yeah. you throw, throw- or just being the most insane game of all time.
2: Exactly, and so um, I mean, he double digit target targets is again, it's one of these like round numbers that we're like, oh no, that's good. As if ten targets is so much better than nine. Um, but you know, he just doesn't have as many double digit target games as the other people, and so um, it, it's weird to think that uh, you know you want guys who are very efficient with their catches, um, but you but like volume is really what you're after first. Uh, and so if a guy has you know 15 targets you want that guy as opposed to the one who has nine just because he's that's just more opportunities to do something uh even if he's slightly less efficient
1: yeah i mean you could just flip through the game logs of the, of the three guys we're mentioning you can kind of see the difference you know tyree kill has the the 13 yard game with no touchdowns a 50 yard game with no touchdowns. there's just more uh, up and down but then he has the you know seven for 142 for three touchdowns you may mentioned the Rams game he was 215 for 2 touchdowns so that there's just a little more up and down with someone like that and it's someone that I think is a little more of a a little more of a GDP guy in the top end you know when you get big games you get huge games out of him and so it's a, he's an interesting guy that uh, kind of week by week uh, I kind of figure out how I think that the Chiefs are going to attack and game plan and go from there uh, what about the mid range we talked about the mid range running backs, uh, you know, there's just a lot of them. Mid range wide receiver, there's a lot more because obviously you have multiple wide receivers on every team. Uh, where do you start to go here? This is a spot that I think, you know, it really is is where you win tournaments, where you do well in cash games, is, is finding this mid range wide receiver, whether it be wide receivers too on a team that's going to get a lot of targets or, you know, the best wide receiver in an offense that maybe doesn't blow up and he's not a top tier guy. Uh, how do you go about attacking this mid range? it's a tough spot because there are so many guys week to week in here.
2: Yeah. I tend to value the guys. Um, I think it just kind of breaks down that I tend to value the, the number one wideouts on worse teams than the second wide out on very good teams only because okay. the wide, the, the number one tends to get more targets like, and it's not always the case. Um, You know, it obviously depends on team, how much teams are throwing and whatnot, but like ultimately I'm still like always just looking for volume and, um, in situations where it's a clear number one, but the team's not that good. Like if, if I know the ball is going towards him, even if I think the team only is going to score 14, 21 points, like at least in cash games, like you want the volume there. And so like, um, actually I'm, you're not even looking at just the, the number one teams, like thinking of the bucks last year, like Mike Evans was obviously, uh, up there significantly, you know, wherever you put him in that top tier, but, like, guys like Adam Humphrey – like, I had Humphreys in a cash lineup probably way more than I should have last year. But, like, you have guys that are – he's probably even more in the lower tier. But um, you have these guys that, like, if they can get five catches for 50, 60 yards, like, that's actually perfectly serviceable. And for the salary that you're getting paying for that wide receiver versus, like, a running back or a tight end that can – you're not going to get somebody with that kind of production. So you're always going to find guys in that range that um, – that have the targets and you just have to make sure they're there that week.
1: We talked about the extremes, the cornerbacks, you know, the, the Patrick Peterson, the Xavier Rhodes. Do you, uh, do you look for on off- offense of those teams? You look for the second wide receiver, you know, maybe the guy that's going to get the better matchup. There's obviously, you know, teams that don't cover the slot. Well, like how much do you look at defense in terms of this midway driver receiver, trying to find like little sneaky spots that maybe they struggle in as a defense. Uh,
2: I mean, you, It's definitely like just part of the research, like these. But like you said, like these guys are terrible against guys in the slot. Uh, I think the important thing is to see like who those slot guys were. I think we a lot of times we um, people look at kind of season long stats are like, oh, they're terrible at this. And in football, like you were saying, like the sample size is so small that it's possible, like in the first five weeks of the season, they played the five best slot receivers in the league, and it's like they They're they're
1: terrible. Played Keenan Allen twice, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so you're like, oh, yeah. these guys are terrible against guys in the slot, and it's like, well, they're actually just playing the elite slot guys, and now you're making this jump of like the whatever slot guy you have that week, and you're like, he's he should be great this week because they're playing this other team, and it's like, well, look look at why the stats are as they are. Like that that applies to every sport. I, I deal with it in soccer too much, but like for football, like the especially early in the season, like they're getting killed, like uh, they can't stop the run. And it's like, well, if they're playing three very, um, high percentage running teams early on, like that's why they're, they're just getting the volume is there. And so they're seeing all these, these runs and maybe they're not that good. And, uh, so maybe, that maybe you shouldn't make your decision based off just that stat. So, but anyway, so, um, I totally get that second wide out, uh, playing, uh, you know, against the Vikings or whatever, but um I don't know I, t- I tend to you obviously want number ones first because they're number ones because they get all the targets so like I don't know if I would necessarily like prioritize a wide receiver two on a, a elite team or playing a, an elite cornerback because he theoretically has the easier uh, matchup but um, I, I I get it I get it yeah and this is and
1: this is kind of the— sp- spot in gpp is where you find your blow up guys you find this is where deshaun jackson marquise goodwin uh you know the the guys that are going to catch the 70 yard touchdown but you know might have two catches for 22 yards i mean that happens a lot with guys like that you know it's important to look at game logs and look at these guys and you'll see the up and down that you get uh, whereas you know the top end guys are more consistent um are you like to play guys like that at gpp or are you more looking for uh you know guys with a lot of targets i know cash games obviously looking for volume and targets um in a gpp how lucky are you to play these guys are they, are we talk about these guys as gpp guys but uh what do you do with these cut type of guys
2: yeah that's that's where i play them or else i would never play okay. them at all so uh i mean the the when you pay down like that uh you're you're not going to get 10 catches for 120 yards uh because those guys it just doesn't usually happen in that price range but if a guy, you know, explodes for a touchdown, like you want to you want these guys who can score on any play because uh, they're more likely they're more likely not to do it <laughs> on most plays. Of it course. only takes one or, you know, sometimes you get a second one, uh, whereas these other guys that are, uh, you know, getting f- six catches for, you know, 65 yards like that. It's not going to get you far enough in a GPP as opposed to guys like uh, peak to Jackson.
1: Uh, and the cheap end of wide receivers, you know, there's a lot of guys that are priced down. There's a lot of guys that, you know, third, fourth wide receivers on the team. So there's a lot a of mass, guys down there. When you're looking for guys down there, I think, you know, usually I'm looking for kind of guys that are sneaky in terms of, you know, oh, this guy has seven or eight targets the last three weeks, but hasn't really done a ton with it yet. You know, you're looking for guys that are more involved in the offense than people think. You're looking for people that are kind of, you know, blowing up a little bit within their own offense. And then guys that, uh, you know, may emerge in a big shootout game. We talk about Rams you know rams chiefs from last year you know the cheap guy in a big a big shootout game is someone that can fall into some good production
2: yeah no i think um that's definitely the key i mean that's uh, where like analyzing air yards really helps like air yards uh for those who aren't aware are literally the number of yards between when a quarterback throws to a wide out and how many yards are in between how long the ball is in the air and so if they're if somebody's Um, you know scorching down the field and it's eventually a pass interference and the ball traveled 46 yards in the air like 46 air yards you don't get any fantasy points for that but at least the air yards tell you that this guy is being targeted deeply and so um, those are kind of some of the guys that may you know maybe they're not catching all those balls because sometimes the penalty comes back but like the um, those are the guys that you you want to look at the ones that are getting getting the ball thrown to them down the field because they're the ones who are more likely to score if they happen to catch those and so those are the um you know there are some of those cheap wide receivers every week who all of a sudden you're like boy this guy had you know 150 air yards last week but he had zero catches like maybe it's maybe it was three bombs who knows but like um you know it only takes one of those and you don't necessarily want to look for guys who have um like low A dots cuz they're, you know, it's much tougher to catch a ball 5 yards from the line of scrimmage and then run the rest of the way as opposed to just catching an 80 yard touchdown. And so um what I actually one of the first things I do if I haven't if I have already picked my quarterback and I'm down in the low range like just correlate the cheap guy with your quarterback. Cuz right. at least you're getting some added bonus when, like, if you, if that guy happens to score, you also get the quarterback touchdown.
1: Yeah, and in cash games, especially on DraftKings, you mentioned a guy like Adam Humphreys earlier, kind of in the mid-cheap to cheap range somewhere in there. You look, A guy like that can be really gold. You know, a guy uh, that he doesn't uh, score a lot of touchdowns uh, every week, but, uh, you know, get eight to ten targets. So the, those sneaky kind of uh, target monster guys that, you know, since they're not well-known, since they don't score a lot of touchdowns, kind of stay cheaply priced can be really good especially in draft picks
2: yeah hey, julian Edelman's always the one that like people think of he doesn't score nearly as many touchdowns as people think he does but like or danny Amendola. like go those those are the cash game guys that i unfortunately have to play every week <laughs> unfortunately because they're patriots they're just, well that too they're just not it's just not. you know they're not the fun guys who are s- scoring 80 yard tyree kill touchdowns right. that's all
1: So uh, at tight end, uh, tight end's a a tough spot. You know, usually you have two or three elite guys. You've got your Zach Ertz, your George Kittle, um, your Travis Kelsey. Then you kind of got the mass of the middle where you got a bunch of guys that, you know, uh, are red zone targets but, uh, you know, don't have big plays. And you've all. Obviously, you always get the cheap guys. You've got the, the guys in the you know thirty five hundred or four thousand range, you, you know, maybe they get that two yard touchdown and, and be a good play that week, but you know, aren't gonna get a lot of targets and you know, you know they're gonna get thirty five yards at most. Uh how do you start with the tight end position? Are you someone that usually plays the top end guys? Do you look for your bargains? I mean obviously week to week is different, but um how do you generally kind of jump into a week with tight ends?
2: The the cool thing about tight ends now, and it's kind of along the same line as like rushing quarterbacks where like the rushing quarterbacks are now uh, like the, the level of rushing required for rushing quarterback is higher. And so, and now we're seeing like the top end tight ends are so much better than they have been previously. Oh yeah. Uh, and so you're actually looking at the tight end, the top end tight ends, like you would wide receivers. Like some mm-hmm. of them get like the, the, like ideal wide receiver numbers, uh, and you're usually cheaper than the top end wide receivers. And so I tend to either, pay all the way up for a tight end or all the way down. Like I, I very rarely find myself in that middle range because I just feel like the the guys in the middle are just... There's no consistency. And so if there's no consistency in that range, why not just go down to the guys who are even lower and save myself some salary for going elsewhere? Um, but <clears throat> I I think what you're going to see more of this season um, is people playing two tight ends, like a tight end and a tight right. end flex. Uh, either... I, either you know somebody like Kelsey or Ertz in the flex just to make them feel better. Don't um, don't leave, don't leave Kittle out of there. Or Kittle, of course, of course, I um, take that as a, as a lot of disrespect. Rich. Sorry, sorry, it was just for the <laughs> Revis slight. That's all. And now
1: we're or uh, even. All right.
2: um, but I think, but even then, yeah. like I think you might see lineups this season with like Ertz and Kittle, like paying up at both like, for two tight ends and then paying down a wide receiver because like those guys. And and again, this isn't like there's not like a group of 10, it's basically three or four. Yep. Um, and so like, but I, I think that you can definitely make the case week to week, certainly in, in GPPs. Cause like you could have both of those guys be highly owned, Like you know, let's, let's call it Kelsey and Kittle are highly owned in a certain week. But, like, I don't think you're gonna see that many people playing both of them. And so nope. I think that's going to be an interesting thing to, to watch this season because like I said, these these top-end tight ends are just as good as wide receivers.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty much it with you. I, I usually go top-end or kind of drop towards the bottom. And I, when I say drop to the bottom, I'm probably not extreme with that. I'm not looking for the dirt-cheap guy. But, mm. I, you know, say if, uh, you know, Kurtz Kurt, – I can't say it. I'm talking more. Kittle, Ertz, and Kelsey, they're, they're all similar, are, uh, you know, all in the – you. Know, $8,000 range I avoid that like 6500 to $8,000 they have got to put guys in there and there's always guys in there but I usually avoid uh, you know, most of those the second tier guys maybe the third tier is kind of where I start to look for guys you know I look for someone who's uh, you know cheap but uh, has a good matchup or has been going up in targets week by week and you can see like last year Chris Herndon was a guy like that that you yeah. know he- you could see the targets were coming. See, there you go, Jets. Uh, you could see the targets were coming. So you, you really want to look at targets with tight end. they uh, are not a lot of consistent guys, but those like the Greg Olson, Jimmy Graham types that are kind of priced, uh, you know, in the secondary tier. I tend to avoid the guys. They're so touchdown reliant. Someone who gets so, especially a guy like Jimmy Graham. You know, if he scores a touchdown, it's a good week. If he doesn't, it's a bad week, and I, I tend to avoid guys like that.
2: Yeah, I, I think the way you'll always look at it is you'll be like, oh, I can get uh, OJ Howard for. Two thousand less than Zach Ertz, and it's like, but you should like there is yeah, a, there exactly. is a clear difference between these two, and like I, the the those is really is a three. Like if you're gonna look, it's Howard, like Evan Ingram, um, yep, Hunter Henry, like goes guys like that, like they're going to be cheaper and they're gonna be in that mid range where you're like, oh, the, you know, they they might be fine, um, but, I mean, are they really providing you that much more than like Jack Doyle will? or Jordan Reed when he's healthy. And so like, well, Jordan Reed will probably be up if if he's actually healthy, but like, I don't know. I just feel like that middle range is so is certainly for cash games. just so inconsistent that if like you might get six catches for 65 yards at, you know, 6,000, why wouldn't I just pay 3,500 for four catches for 20 yards? You know, like, I don't know. I just, right. The, the guy, the top three guys are just so good that you're going to constantly find yourself like, why don't I just pay down? And you're going to answer that question so quickly when you realize just how inconsistent the other ones are.
1: Yeah. And I find myself being able to f- find plays I like more, dropping down and running back and wide receiver. So it, it makes sense more to me that I can get this mid range wide receiver paired with, you know, Kittle than I can go with, you know, someone like you mentioned, a mid range tight end paired with a top end guy. You usually can find a mid range wide receiver I like a lot more than a mid range tight end pretty easily.
2: For sure. For sure. All right, once again, a quick message from another one of our sponsors this time. It's Otnew. Otnew Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better fantasy football. Auction-based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash the next rookie of the year while he's still tearing up Saturdays, or trade for superstars to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. So play the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Visit otnew.com today. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U. Dot com.
1: Defense is obviously a spot that I, I think most people are kind of like, oh, I'll take this defense and we'll move on. And, you know, and but then you look at GP standings and, you know, the guy that got the blow up defense wins the GPP because, you know, he's got good players, but then he Get twenty six points from his defense. A lot of that is variable. You cannot count on touchdowns from a defense. Uh, special teams touchdowns, which account for a lot of those points, when defense does go off. But um, how do you attack defense? Do you spend a lot of time on it? Do you kind of just uh, look real quick? Like what do you do with defense? I think people it's a spot where people, um, you know, the research and uh, how people attack it, uh, you know,
2: separates more than other positions. I feel like the weeks where the the right defense is the top scoring one is so rare. And yet when it happens, we hear about it so much. And like, this is why you need I to prioritize. Totally, defense.
1: totally, totally agree.
2: <laughs> and so, uh, it's, it's absolutely the last spot I fill. it's, I put less thought into my defense than I do any other position because it's just so variable. And there are just way too many times where you're like, this is the, this is definitely despite, you know, bears at home against the dolphins. And you're like, I'm going to pay it for the bears. And then they, you know, It'll be a really strong defensive game, but like you don't get points for that. Like obviously you get some points for uh, <clears throat> allowing few points, but fantasy points for allowing few real points. But ultimately you need like a special teams touchdown or defensive touchdown, and like a team like the Bears are probably more likely to score a touchdown than than others. But like it, it's so rare, uh, it's very similar to. Uh, goalkeeper in soccer that um, we joke around on on the soccer podcast. Um, Goalkeeper and defense may be the most important position to win a GPP and there's really nothing you can do every week To pick the right one. Like it's just so random. It feels so random. And even the times that you're like, I'm definitely going to pay up for the bears this week. And then that's the week they don't really do well, or they do really well, but somebody, but the bucks had three touchdowns that week, defensive touchdowns. And and that's why that guy won the GPP. And so if you ever look at GPPs and you're like, man, I, I can't believe that guy picked the whatever defense this week. And they did so well. And it's like, I bet he just guessed.
1: Uh, yeah, so that, I mean, that's a good point on defense, and I, I pretty much agree with the with the lust, luck aspect of it. You know, I, I tend to have a formula that I use uh, with defense. It's uh, you know a team that's favored, a team that's at home, a team that's facing a weak defense, or a weak quarterback. But I, I like a risk taking quarterback too. You know, you get quarterbacks that you know are really bad; and they're not going to take any risks in the fourth quarter. I like guys like Blaine Gabbert who are gonna, still going to throw the ball around the yard a little bit and and make some mistakes. That's really what you want when you when you want a defense.
2: I love that. I love that. Um, I, I think one of the key things is. If you build the rest of your team and you get to defense and you can't quite afford the defense that you want, I don't think it's worth changing other things to get a defense.
1: Such a such a good point because I've done that a couple times and I always regret it later.
2: There, there, the, it's just so variable that like maybe you maybe it turns out to be the right call and you're like, oh, I totally should have done it. But like the the range of outcomes for these defenses, um, it, while large, like if there are a few that are in the same price range uh, you're, you're just so much better off going with the, the other guys that you put all that time into and not all of a sudden be like, all right, now I can't play these three elite wide receivers for this perfect build that I have because I want to get the Patriots this week instead of the Texans. And it's like, it's, it probably not going to matter.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Anything else on, uh, on defense before we move on?
2: Uh, I- I would love to hear from people who think that they've figured out defense. Like, like,
1: if you have a secret to defense, I, I'd like to hear it, too. Right.
2: I, there's probably a reason to keep it to yourself, actually. But um, <laughs> we're in the business of telling everybody what we think. So I guess that's uh, that's a difference. I, I just – I don't know. I I understand the situations that are good and you want to obviously prioritize them. But there's just so many instances where – the right defense plays really well and scores barely any fantasy points. And the one yep. that was hard, that looked like it had a horrible matchup and all of a sudden were t- two kick returns, kick return touchdowns. And you're like, well, you're dead when GPPs. Cause you don't have, you know, the bucks away against the, uh, the Steelers, you know, it's like, it, it just doesn't make sense
1: yeah I mean I when when in doubt I usually like uh, you know teams that pressure the quarterback I like quarterbacks yep. that have to make quick decisions bad decisions team with bad offensive lines so I do look into a lot of that stuff but like you said I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change my entire build on it but uh, you know I do look for I do look for good spots and I spend some time on it but uh, you know like I said like I think I agree with you I'm, I'm trying to fit my defense in uh, price wise more than anything else
2: yes, yes for sure. That's all we got this week. Uh, once again, if you have any follow-up questions, you can always find me on Twitter at roto Andrew. You can find Scott at Scott Genstad. Uh, thank you to Dynasty Owner for sponsoring this podcast, and we'll be back next week with some more daily fantasy football strategies. Take care.